Welcome to the Bank of Me podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance build strong cultures. Hosted by James Farrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. I'm joined on this week's episode of the Bank of Me podcast by Steve Butler. I had the real fortune last year to have the chance to review his book, Manage the Gap. And it was an amazing read that took a very different perspective on the generational differences that we're seeing in the workforce. It was a very positive approach, very considered, but also it made me rethink some of the things that we talk about in how we treat different generations in the workforce and where we should be placing the emphasis. So I've been desperate to get Steve onto our podcast for some time. And then over the last few weeks with the lockdown and the coronavirus issues, things have really changed. And we're hearing more and more businesses looking for advice on how to understand what their workforce is going through. As soon as you say there's just a group of people, you make a mistake. What we have to do is see people as individuals and understand where they're at and think through what their personal needs are. Steve, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning. And I'll just let you introduce yourself properly, but also explain what your full job is, because not only are you an author, but I know that you run a very successful benefits company. Uh, yeah. So I'm chief exec of a business called Pun South or Spire, which is a employee benefits and retirement savings business. We have 150 staff across 10 offices in the UK and, and a very diverse workforce in terms of kind of age and, and gender and, and a number of the um, characteristics. So I've had to kind of learn on the job over the, over the last few years. And, and the recent book was my experiences over the last few years in, in kind of managing issues that I've faced. And it's clearly something that you feel passionate about. Yeah, I mean, I've got quite a large group of, of children myself who are, are just entering the workforce. So I see them as, as very much an extreme version of what's what's happening in the workforce. And and I'm I'm in my early 50s myself. So I, I come from a different generation and, and kind of I'm used to working with a with an older generation around me as well. So I think my own experiences are, are a reflection of, of, of what's happening in the workforce. Absolutely. And in the book, you do talk about how there's a different role for the older generation to play. But also there's a critical point that the older generation is diminishing far quicker than we're perhaps realising. Yeah, I mean, over, over recent years, it's been, the industry's been very focused on creating the right environment for millennials. You know, there's been lots of office restyling and, and, and lots of work done to make the millennials feel comfortable. Um, ultimately, that's kind of impacted on the other generations that, that, like to work in a certain way and have had to change the way that they work you know my older workforce like to sit in an office with their staff around them like to work nine to five like to come to work dressed in a certain way my my younger employees want flexibility they want to work in a coffee shop they want to work in an office they want to work from home they want to dress how they want to work and they want to make their own hours and i've found a, a kind of rub between the two generations there because of that very different approach to work. And one of the points you make in the book quite well is it's not a case of one's good, one's bad. That the the trick and the, the success is how you merge the two together so that both sides are getting what they need 
and both sides see benefit from the other perspective. Yeah, and I think flexible working is is kind of right at the heart of this. You know, for my older employees, they've been used to working in a certain pattern so that they, they don't particularly want to change it. But equally, their lives are at a point where perhaps they've got uh, elderly parents to care for, they've still got young children to care for, and, and they would actually quite like some flexibility in their working pattern. They're just not used to it. So a lot of the conflict they've had is a younger generation coming in demanding flexible working, which is something that they quite like themselves. So for me, creating a flexible working environment works for both generations. They both use it in different ways, but ultimately they both benefit from have that having that flexibility in, in the workplace. And bringing it right up to today, that, that flexibility that you talk about, that's critical right now in terms of making everyone working in separate locations a success. How, how are you finding it with your own company? Obviously, the current situation is, is kind of one, right at one end of the, of the spectrum. You know, everyone is kind of remote working. So we've had to change our, our work behaviours quite quickly. That doesn't necessarily suit everyone. You know, even my millennials that, that want flexible working, you know, likes the idea of being in the office sometime and being at home sometime. Being at home all the time doesn't necessarily suit them either. They like to collaborate. They like to have conversations so working remotely at home, I think a lot of them have felt very isolated. And as an organisation, we've had to put a lot of effort into more communication, more video-based collaboration time and some structure in their diaries to remove that, that isolation. Whereas my older generation are, are kind of quite happy working on their own and, they, and they've transitioned to kind of working from home quite easily. And one of the issues that they had was always around trust you know can they trust everyone to kind of do their work in a in a remote situation and i think the current environment has proved that they absolutely can so in the current situation i think my older generation have have adapted to this current situation the easiest to be honest with you there's a, a an irony there isn't there that traditionally we say that the generation that doesn't like people being flexible and, and working from home is the older generation and yet when on mass we all try it the ones that seem to succeed the most are the older generation and the ones that suffer the most is the younger group who don't have that same rigid structure that they stick to. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the older generation have had to learn some new technology and that's kind of not been easy. But the benefit is we've all been learning it together. You know, no one's had the right answer on what the technology is and, and what solution is right for a project group compared to a group presentation compared to a client presentation. We've all been learning, so we've all learned together. So that's been a real cushion for, for that, uh, that older generation. You know, for the younger generation, they've been used to these kind of collaboration tools in their personal lives, but not necessarily in their business life. So they've, they've had to kind of come to terms with a different way of, of using these tools in a, in a professional way. Uh, and quite interesting, I heard a story from a colleague the other day who has young children and the children are being taught online. And this is a generation that have grown up with smartphones and, and, and FaceTime and, and all sorts of things I know nothing about. But in a structured situation of teaching, the children are refusing to turn their cameras on or ask questions because they're too self-conscious, which, again, I find very ironic considering it's a generation that's grown up with this technology. 
I think you've also, as well, you've covered something that I found a really key point in, in your book was the need to make sure that different generations are coaching each other rather than it just being a one way, I've been here longer, therefore this is how you do it, that there's benefit from both sides. And I guess that the technology and the approach is something where there's learnings on both sides. A lot of my project groups within the business, I've purposefully gone out to create a most diverse group as possible. So I don't get groupthink and that, so I, I can get that mentoring going on across the, uh, the project group, you know, whether that's by age or, or, or anything else. So the current situation has been the perfect way for this mentoring to happen. Firstly, the, the younger generation have been able to kind of teach us all about the technology and we've all been able to laugh at one another about, you know, the way that we've used the technology and, and you know, how it's fitting into our daily lives. From the other end of the spectrum, the, the older employees have, have been the ones that have been putting more structure into people's diaries, have been setting up kind of more project group video calls or social video calls to ensure that there is that interaction that, that the younger generation are, are kind of craving. And there's something there, that you, you use the word diversity. And for me, I really feel passionately that diversity really is just the, is the source code for inclusion. That inclusion is when you utilise what's in front of you. It sounds like you're describing to me what we constantly drive people to think about, which is the more diverse workforce you get, you've got more opportunity to, to create something different, but it's putting it into action that's the critical thing. That thinking about what business benefit do we get from such a, an age range is critical in the success factor. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I love it when we get to the point that we can stop talking about diversity and just focus on inclusion. It's all about putting yourself in someone else's shoes and, and kind of understanding where they're coming from and, and making them feel comfortable and then and then working together for the best outcome. And I think at the heart of that is is entirely inclusion. And you know, the current environment of this collectivism where we're heading towards as a society of all working together in the current crisis is, is really accelerating the, the inclusion issues within the workplace. I guess turning on its head, there's the inclusion opportunities as well in terms of, I'll give you an example, my wife at the moment is having a daily yoga session with a lady in India. And I mean, it's a small point, but she would never have done that if the current crisis hadn't happened. And what's, what we're seeing is there are new connections being made across the globe because we no longer, or we can't at the moment, value face-to-face. -face. So once you take face-to-face -face away, you, you remove geography as a blocker, which I, yeah. it can only bring good things. So I think as a, as a business leader, the challenge for me now is how do I take the best of what's happened over the last three weeks and, and kind of roll that forward into the future business? And, and there's two things that I, I'm very much thinking about at the moment. One is our, our workspaces. You know, I pay a significant amount of money for a large office in central London with 50 people working from that office. As we come out of the current situation, there's going to be a good percentage of those employees that feel that they're very comfortable working from home. So I think there's an opportunity for me to resize my London office. And, and secondly, rework that London office. So there's much more collaboration space. So employees can work from home, but they can come into the office a couple of days a week for their various collaboration activities in meeting rooms or, or pods or, or kind of coffee bars, etc. And then some office space for people that feel that they want to kind of work full time in an office. So I think there's a real opportunity to rethink the structure of the business as, as we come out of the current situation. 
I also think that an opportunity to rethink are the way that we collaborate. Now, clearly, we do need to travel. We need face-to-face -face meetings. You know, we're humans. We want, we crave that contact. But I don't think we need to do as much as we previously did. And I can see many more situations where we've got a meeting happening with half of the people in the room and half of the people dialing in. And that's a good example of a positive that's going to come out of this. Now, I know there's lots of negatives at the moment in terms of lost revenue, in terms of health, in terms of, of, of people being affected. But longer term, when we talk about this changing the world, there are some positives that we, we should keep front of mind. And one is exactly what you've described, which is businesses evolving quite rapidly around this area and giving people more flexibility lightening the load on on travel lightening the load on the environment so it is heartening to hear that businesses are already thinking well so what next and how do we we move forward rather than just slide back into what was i think it goes further in us reconsidering our, our proposition for clients certainly we've found in the current situation that we're able to speak to many more clients using the technology than we were in a face-to-face -face world and for lots of our our meetings and work that we do with clients it's not necessary to be face to face to face and using the technology we can offer a much enhanced service to to our clients so i think our overall proposition will evolve quite significantly as well and, and obviously it's going to have to because the finances of the business are going to change but it's often these significant events in time that kind of shape the the way that we, we work and the way that we operate as a society going forward Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to take you back to the millennial group, if that's okay, and probably the, the younger end of that, and just throw into the mix the news story that came out on Monday, and it was primarily on the BBC side, but I'm sure it was elsewhere, which was talking about the most impacted groups of society, and the two that were raised were women, would be far more heavily impacted by this than men, which um, is no surprise given the whole data around uh, non-paid-for caring work still sitting with women, but the second one as well was under 25 generally will struggle more with this situation than others. What's your perspective on that group in particular? That's interesting. I, I can see in my own business, the under 25 year olds are the ones that perhaps in their first property that they're renting and it's a small one bedroom flat. So when we do our conference call, they're sat across their one table in their in their flat opposite their partner, trying to juggle who's going to do the next conference call without disturbing the other. So it, it is it is difficult because those those physical restrictions on the way that they that, that they live. And and I also think it's difficult because they are used to much more interaction and social and sharing than my older generation. And, and limiting all of that activity to one channel, which is just the video call, is, is, is challenging for them and, and they're finding it hard. And, uh, you know, if they don't get everything that they want out of that, then they're, you know, they're, they're struggling. And, you know, certainly with communication within the business, you know, if they, if they don't hear it immediately from me or from one of their managers, then they start kind of imagining the worst. So we've had to significantly increase our communication within the business to support this younger group. And how are they responding? What are the signs you're seeing that's, that's that's flagging up the stress? Because again, this is something I think that more businesses need to understand. How do you spot those symptoms when you're not sat next to them and potentially they're not voicing what they need to voice? I've had to encourage much more um, 
one-to-one -one video calls alongside the kind of team meetings and project meetings because you know those, those anxieties aren't necessarily going to come out in the larger group meetings so, so all of my managers are talking to their teams on a one-to-one -one basis every day and we're also enforcing non-business chat within those conversations because it's only when you you sort of sit and relax for for kind of 20 minutes and just talk about nothing specific that some of these issues kind of come out so the managers have had to learn a whole new skill set to try and get get that kind of two-way communication going and we've heard quite a lot that people are finding suddenly their lives are ruled by their diary far more than normally now we've all got a schedule but what the schedule doesn't say is now talk to your friend or talk to your colleague or talk to the person in the corridor. And this is one of the things that is finding a challenge that until that message pings up saying you've got a call with Steve in 10 minutes, we don't talk. And it's how to break that as well, because suddenly it feels very structured. Yeah, there's a couple of things that we've practical things that we've done right at the start of the situation. I established a group wide chat group, a text chat group that I called Coffee Break. And there's there's no rules on this coffee break. You can just kind of share what whatever you want. And, and what I see is a rhythm to this, that they're kind of in the morning, there's always a flurry of people sharing pictures and comments about things that they did last night or TV programs that they did watch the night before. And then the group goes quiet when people get down to do their their day to day work. And then at lunchtime, the chat group comes alive again and the same again at the end of the day. So there's kind of a rhythm to it that reflects the, the office environment. So I think that's that's one thing that, that we've done that I think has worked very well. Um, we also you know, have a number of structured what we call you know, virtual lunches, which is a 35 minute, 45 minute video team call. And we're not allowed to talk business. So the whole conversation is just social chat. And I think those two things together have, have been the closest we've been able to get to replicate the office environment. Steve, I'm going to give you one last quick challenge, if that's OK. Could you give me three tips or three things to try with particularly the younger generation to keep them focused and motivated throughout what we're facing at the moment? Sure. And I'm going to repeat some of the things. That's that OK. Said. That's good. There's nothing wrong with a repeat away. So I think having this water cooler chat or coffee chat, you know, running down the side of your screen for the whole business to contribute in is, is quite an important part. Certainly we found with 10 offices, I've got much more communication going across the offices because of that water cooler chat than I, than I did before. I think carving time out the diary and putting in video team meetings where you cannot talk business is imperative. And I've seen lots of examples of other companies having pub quizzes at the end of the day or, or having a glass of wine at the end of the week. You know, whatever it is, we still need to share with one another in a, in a non-business conversation. And, and three, I think we, we need to keep learning. We've got to embrace the technology, keep trying new different things and see what works and, and share that and, and keep a record of what is working so that when we do return to normal, we can make sure that we keep doing the things that uh, that did work. Brilliant. That's a really strong one to end on. Thank you for that. Because throughout this, if we can learn, then we make some use of it, don't we? We, we find, actually find a value that perhaps wasn't there otherwise. Steve, it was great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time and your input. And again, just once more quickly, a quick plug for your book, Managing the Gap, 
out in paperback and Kindle. It's an amazing read, it's very practical, and right now it's something that I think that we should all be looking at. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.thecultureBuilders.com. Thank you.